0: Hey fans, welcome into another edition of the and Baca show here. Dave Finucci and Mike Baca with you on our uh, every other week podcast here. Some sports talk of Northern California Bay Area sports. And uh, Mike, we are sitting here on a Monday. And it, the first se- uh, weekend of NFL action is almost over. A couple games tonight on Monday Night Football. But the first Sunday, which we weren't sure we would even have, but, thank, you know, keeping our fingers crossed, thankfully everything worked out. It, uh, sounds like the NFL did a f- fantastic job with the COVID situation. Zero positives uh, so far going into the weekend of first play. But the games are in the books. And uh, we're going to get some reaction right away, Mike. What did you think of the first weekend? And we'll, then we'll talk about the Niners.
1: Uh, f- first thing that comes to mind is uh, Aaron Rodgers is uh, timeless. Four touchdowns, 360 yards, yes. uh, some incredible throws. Second thing that comes to mind, Joe Burrow is the real deal. I know he's only a rookie, but and he plays on a, just a, a, a pathetic franchise. But, man, that last drive that he had to drive the Bengals down the field, uh, to uh, put them in position to tie the game. Now the poor kicker pulls his calf and misses the kick. But uh, Burrow looked calm, composed. It's one of the better defenses he's going to face all year. I think he's the real deal. I think that was a a sign of things to come. Uh, Way better than I thought he was going to be. Third thing is the Cowboys get crushed by injuries. They lose to the Rams. And once again, America's team that has won two playoff games in the last 25 years, they think they're the best team in the NFL, and they'll struggle to win nine or ten games. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys are as good as everyone wants you to believe them to be Cam Newton showing off uh, for the the Patriots in his debut with them, Tom Brady and the, and the Buccaneers losing to the saints. Although I think uh, Brady's going to have a lot better showings in the next few weeks, because remember no uh, OTAs, no preseason games. Mike Evans hasn't been practicing because of a bad hamstring. I think the, the Buccaneers are going to be a lot better in about a month or so. I still think they're going through right. some growing pains, and of course, uh, my beloved Cleveland Browns. I don't think they're as bad as what they showed yesterday, but <laughs> but for all the star power they have on that team, to lose thirty-eight to six, and Baltimore made it look easy. And I know Baltimore may be the best team in the NFL, but yeah, that was a that was a pathetic showing. That was that was really really poor. So right. uh, the Browns got a lot of work to do uh, on their end, and 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 your Forty ers man. I yeah. I uh, well, oh, I don't know, man. We will
0: uh, we will talk to them momentarily, but just to go, just uh, as I go around the the circle as well, my thoughts with these first few games. I'll, I'll I'll reciprocate what you said about Dallas. I mean, every year, Baca, in the past ten or twelve years, and especially the last few with Romo, and then. The first these first five or six with Prescott. It's the same exact mantra every year. It's every year. Dallas is gonna be great. They're predict- predicted predicted they to go to the Super Bowl. People saying that they're that they're they're gonna be representing the NFC West. They're, this is their year. And every year it's it's a nine and seven, eight and eight performance. It doesn't seem like they ever put together the chemistry, the camaraderie, whatever it is they need to do, the roster. That, that is elite. They have elite players that don't perform elite. And, and it just is there, is there a, a broken record type of situation with them. Like you said, America's team, they're not America's team. They're, they are America's mediocre team. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's just another example of the Cowboys going with huge expectations going in. Opening game at SoFi Stadium. By the way, that that place looked unbelievable down there in LA. Yeah. That stadium looked like it was a friggin'. I mean, I don't know. I, it. I, I'm not even a. It looked like a place you'd want to go as a fan to see a
1: game. I, I, I'll I'll tell you that place where the stadium is. It's built on the old Hollywood Park racetrack, and that was yeah. a. That place was a beaten down area. That was an area that was just not – it's not – let's say it's not a place you go for a leisurely walk on a Tuesday night. No, it's right next to the old forum,
0: Baca, where where the Lakers used to play with the magic in the the showtime right next to it. I mean, you could see it in the overhead. And on top of that, they they said they had to dig it down into the ground so that the planes could fly over. I mean, it's literally – you could fly into LAX and take a a five-minute – uber ride over to that stadium it's so close
1: yeah it's it's uh it it. they're turning that area into just a place where it's kind of it reminds me of what the Giants did with their with their ballpark San Francisco Giants that place was a a, I mean it was a toxic down area it was a a super fun site with toxic waste and the Giants turned that into like high rent district and now the Warriors are there and that's what's happening with the uh, with that stadium down in LA. So yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Gorgeous, gorgeous. gorgeous
0: but but you know, uh, so Dallas is is one thing. The Rams are are, are in the West now, so the Rams win twenty seventeen. But I'm not. I wasn't exactly totally impressed by their 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 performance. Um, Seattle goes in and beats Atlanta on the road. They look pretty good as usual. Nothing different really about what they're they're presenting. Um, so. In the West, you've got uh, Arizona with a win now, but I was impressed by the Cardinals. Um, I, think that, I think they are going to be, with Hopkins, a serious threat in the NFC West. And they're not a joke. They're not uh, something that we should be, the Niners fans should be ashamed of, and we'll get into this, because I think at the end of the day, the, yeah, the Niners should have won that ballgame, but I've, it's not like um, I'm panicking because we played a crappy team or we, we lost a game uh, to a lousy football team. I mean, we, we had a chance with a minute and a half to go in position to win the game and beat a very good Arizona team that I think is, has playoff potential with a quarterback and a wide receiving core and, a, and an offense that can move the football. And I'm not really excited about having Kyler Murray in the NFC West for the next couple of years because this dude can play and he can create offense he can move around. He can do things that not a lot of other guys can do. And now you add Hopkins to the mix, Baca. We lose 24-20 to a really good team. And at the end of the day, if we get uh, we don't have a blocked punt where we basically handed them a touchdown, that game is different. Um was I excited as heck about the way we moved the football? Not really, but at the end of the day it's the first game of the year. I'm not panicking if this is November and we played like that when we play these guys again, Hey, I'd rather be peaking in November, December for the Niners than right now. And it's the first freaking game of the year. So, you know, okay, I'm going to take it for what it is. And, and, you know, we go into New York now to play the giants and the jets. We come home against the Eagles and, and dolphins. Now in those next four games, if we don't end up four and one or three and two, yeah, then there's a problem. There's a problem because out of those four teams, if we don't win three of those games, there's an issue.
1: Well, also I got to ask you, are you concerned at all about, uh, about Jimmy G? He, 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 you could almost, uh, you could almost say this, you can almost say the 49ers should have won the game if not for Jimmy G. that's how bad he was yesterday he was yeah he was he he wasn't great
0: he was not great he was he was average at best and 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 yeah you know I mean the guy's shown in the past that he can play games last year you know he played games and brought us back and helped us win the Super Bowl last minute drive didn't work out then again this week it didn't work out um he's shown times when he can do that and there's been other times when he doesn't do it I mean at the end I don't know how to evaluate Jimmy G right now, Baca, because there's a there's a, a a ton of critics out there on the guy that is gonna that are gonna say, you know, he's just not the guy. Okay, but what are our other options? Are we gonna start Nick Mullins? I mean, what what are you what are you saying here? Like, is he not your starting quarterback? I mean, are you gonna ride with this guy? He, t- he takes you to thirteen and three last year to the Super Bowl, seven minutes away from winning it, and now suddenly he's not the guy. Uh, I mean if I'm looking down the list of NFL quarterbacks, yeah, he's not in the top eight to 10 guys you would pick. He is in the middle eight to 10 guys I would want. And he's certainly not one of the last 10 guys I would want. So, you know, it's, it is, it is a hard evaluation, but if I'm looking at it from a, from a Niners fan perspective, which is what I am, he, I, I don't bench the guy for Nick Mullins. We, we don't have, like, you could say all you want about the guy, but what are we going to do? Start CJ Beathard? I mean, no
1: but, well, no. but the thing is, he's got to play better. I mean, he's just. He
0: he's, absolutely he's, does.
1: He's got to play better because the whole thing is catered around the running game, ball control, and asking Jimmy G to make a play every now and then. And mm-hmm. I think, the problem wasn't necessarily moving the ball. The problem was just make a play for me, you know, make hey, a yeah, play. Yeah, but
0: accuracy of throws improves as the season goes on. I it's mean, true. guys are. I mean, was yeah. Brady perfect yesterday in the first game? Absolutely yeah. not. This guy's the, the the six-time Super Bowl winner. He was missing targets all day yesterday. I mean, this is the first game. Okay, well, there's no even, they didn't even have the exhibitions, Baca.
1: Yeah, everyone's over. No overreacting. game. No game everyone's throws. Going. Everybody is overreacting today. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, I know. Yesterday, I took the Browns game, and I just went, "Okay, the Browns are way better than this. Are they better than the Ravens? No, but they're not 38 to six worse than the Ravens. And you know, Mayfield has got to be better. And the Browns' defense was not good, but they've had they've been crushed by injuries in the secondary and. Lamar Jackson is a freak show. So, I mean, uh, you, you look at all of those things, and I think everyone's overreacting a little bit. The thing we're not overreacting, though, on is the Cowboys. We're not overreacting on that. No. I believe no. that they're 9-7. and seven. I think the best they can do is 10-6, and six, and I don't think that'll be good enough to win their, win their uh, league, win their uh, division. Baca, let's talk a, a team that you –
0: and I agree with you on the Niners. I think everybody is overreacting on Jimmy and let's all overreact on the, the, the Niners loss. I don't think we need to, I mean, they're all in one. Or okay. Maybe it's a nice little wake up call. Who knows we go into, but at the end of the day, you get, you get out to New York, you focus for two more weeks now and you go out and beat the giants and jets. And then you come back home, everything will be fine. Let's, let's, let's keep moving forward at the end. There's, there's still a high level playoff team. I still totally believe in this in this football team and their roster. When we get Debo and Ayuk back on the field, instead of in critical situations us looking for Trent Taylor, how about we look for Debo, Ayuk and Kittle, who were those two guys are are throwing off the defense and Kittle's wide open, okay? Yep. So let's not panic here. D Any NFL, ask me, any NFL team, Baca, if your number one and number two wide receivers are both on the bench all day, how well are you going to play? Did any other team have their one and two wide receivers on the bench all day? No, I don't think so. And we lost by four points to a very good Arizona team. Let's not panic. We move on. We're 0-1. We go and play the Giants and get that win next week. Okay, let's talk about the Raiders, though. A team that is on your air at KPAY Radio, and they go into Carolina and win over Teddy Bridgewater and McCaffrey. What did you make of uh, the Raiders' performance yesterday?
1: I think uh, their offensive line controlled everything, so Jacobs could just run and run and run, 93 yards. dude had a game. Yeah, three touchdowns. Derek Carr made some throws. He's got some weapons. The offensive line gave him a pocket. So that was that was key. I think the Raiders, though, have some issues on the defensive side of the we ball. Do. You're talking about a Carolina team that is not a high-powered offense at all. You, yeah, they have McCaffrey. Bridgewater, it's new. It's his first game with a new – and he had all kinds of time. There wasn't a, a much of a pass rush. He was picking all these – uh, no-name receivers and getting them the ball with room to run. I think the Raiders are going to be able to score, but you cannot rely on having to score 35 points a game. I don't think their offense is that good, but i I have a lot of question marks about that defense. Uh, yeah, for the Raiders. It, but it's well, a win. Hey, give them credit. They cough up a big lead, then they they uh, Carr comes up with a great drive at the end of the game to to win it for them.
0: Yeah, and and you know the the. The Raiders go in on the road as the Las Vegas Raiders for their first victory under that team name. And uh, you know, what? I got, um, I drafted Henry Ruggs on one of my fantasy rosters, uh, Baca. I love that guy. And, and he had a heck of a first half as a, as a wide threat for the Vegas until uh, he kind of tweaked his ankle and didn't do much in the second half. But you know, on the, on the, on the Raiders, I don't know what their expectations are this year as far as, you know, I think probably at the end of the day, hoping to be in the playoff mix when it comes to December, hoping to be right around one of those those wild card team type scenarios, I think would be a good deal for them this year. Uh, but, you know, I just think at the end of the day, that was a good win for them. I mean, a good way to go out and start the season. And they come home now and open that brand new stadium in Vegas against uh, the Saints. And that's going to be a tough ask. But, um, you know, so I think overall this first weekend in the NFL, uh, you got a couple games tonight, Denver and Tennessee. You got the Giants and Pittsburgh. I think, I, I think the Steelers uh, can, can take care of the Giants tonight. Um, that Tennessee-Denver game is interesting, though.
1: Yeah, and I'm looking uh, to see how Jared Judy makes his uh, debut there with the Broncos, that uh, stud receiver from Alabama. So two, two games on tap tonight. Let's talk some baseball, though.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, we're going to move over to the pennant races now, and we're in the COVID MLB season, and we've got a special guest joining us here to tell, help talk baseball with us today, and um, where we're at, we're about, about two weeks to go in the regular season here, Baca, and uh, it, things have gotten uh, interesting. they have heated up, and really pleased to be joined by John Manuel of the Minnesota Twins, and John can get into uh what he does for the twins here momentarily but um, John a former editor and managing editor of baseball America magazine for a number of years and uh, now has been working for the twins for a couple of years thanks so much for joining us on the podcast John you got to unmute yourself there John John, you got uh, try to un- yeah
2: no your... I, I I had I got it uh, I forgot how <laughs> Zoom worked for a minute but uh, yeah, I couldn't get my could get my wireless headphones to work on my laptop either so I'll just do it on the phone here but thanks for having me and uh, good to see you again Nooch been a while since Sydney yeah absolutely you have, where are you uh, located now John are you still in North Carolina. Or- yeah, no, I'm a native. So I'm sure uh, you'll hear it in my accent. So I've lived in North Carolina for 46 of my 48 years and uh, live in Cary, North Carolina and did no. not have to move. That's one of the reasons why. Yeah, Baseball America is <laughs> based in Durham and uh, lots of minor league teams in North Carolina. And that's why Yeah, I took this job with the Twins. So I pro scout for the Twins uh, in a normal year. Uh, I pro scout teams in North Carolina usually don't even have to I have less, fewer, fewer Marriott points than any other scout, so <laughs> I don't travel yeah. that much. Well, uh, you know, j- just a
0: background on John. Uh, he and I have known each other a long time. Uh, he, like you mentioned, he's in in Cary, North Carolina, uh, one of the founding um, uh, fathers of Baseball America magazine. John has been in that in that publication is uh, was right from the start, if I or, or early on in it. In it from, if I want to say, but. Um, was there for a number of years. And and then uh, recently, how long have you been with the Twins now, John, that you, you got out of sort of being a reporter and then kind of went over to the
2: scouting side? Yeah, I was at Baseball America. Uh, the magazine started in 1981. I joined in 96. So I was there for 21 years, almost exactly. I joined the Twins in November of 2017. So uh, it's been, you know, it would have been my – this is my third season, you know, watching a ton of video, which is <laughs> – you know, like everybody else. It's better than nothing. So very proud to be a member of our organization. Our organization is doing a great job during all this mess. And obviously all the George Floyd stuff was right there in Minneapolis. And uh, the Twins have been uh, very active in the community. So I'm very proud to be a member of the organization, both on the field and off it, what we're doing as an organization. But, you know, it's difficult to uh, be a pro scout and not have games to go to. So that's been a real challenge. So Sure. Uh, but I was proud proud to work at BA for 21 years. And, uh, you know, Alan, uh, Alan Simpson, the founder of the magazine, is now one of the three finalists for the Spink Award, which would be putting him in the Hall of Fame. Wow. So all of yeah, so all of us who worked at Baseball America are really proud of, of that. Uh, happy for Alan. Very hopeful that Alan will get in. And uh, all kind of reveling in the recognition that gives Baseball America because you know, we weren't even allowed. I was in the Baseball Writers Association for like two years, but until, like, the 2010s, early part of the decade, they didn't let Baseball America in. And, I mean, it's kind of weird to be a baseball writer right. and not be allowed in the Baseball Writers Association. But they finally let us in. And, and as soon as I got in, I left writing. So it's kind of <laughs>
0: weird
2: how that works. John, a, a quick question. Uh, first of all,
1: love Carry. I've gone there numerous times with Chica State uh, Baseball. and do their radio. And they uh, yep. host the Division Two College World Series. And sadly, when last year, uh, no World Series there but I love that area beautiful ballpark and, and complex
2: for baseball there uh, and they even built they even built uh, they finally built some uh, batting cages there so it's actually wow. <laughs> could you believe it yeah that well it's amazing that
1: uh, I, we, we would play on the side fields and be like these fields are better than every field we play on uh, during the regular season I'm mean, those that right. that facility and complex it's, is amazing I have a couple of friends here in northern Cal- Cara, uh, Northern California who are absolute twins diehards they just don't miss a game they love the twins and i look at the twins organization as a an organization that is constantly bringing up a prospect after prospect and their minor league system is strong constantly churning out prospects is there a philosophy once you with you working for the twins is there a philosophical mantra i guess if you will that the twins live by when they're looking for a prospect? Is there something, because it seems like every single time you bring up a prospect, um, their skill sets are, are, are quite extensive. It, they're not a, a one trick pony, if you will.
2: Well, I appreciate the compliment and I'll pass that on to our amateur side. Uh, we've got great amateur scouts and um, a tradition of amateur scouting in the twins organization. I'd say with our current organization, it goes back to Terry Ryan who was a scout with the Mets. He signed Kevin Mitchell, and then he uh, was scouting director for the Twins of We Won World Series in 87 and 91 under Andy McPhail. Terry hired Mike Radcliffe, and Cliffy is still in our organization. 30 years later, I think we have a lot of 30 year, 20 plus year scouts in the twin organization. Darren Johnson, who was our scouting director for five years from Sacramento area, um, you know, is a NorCal guy. Uh, so we've always been active in NorCal. Elliot Strankman now, our West Coast cross checker. He's another NorCal guy. So I think the roots of it go back to Terry Ryan. And, uh, you know, if I'm missing my twins history, I apologize. But I I don't think our mantra is too different from the rest of the industry. I do think we're an organization that we love athletes, you know, from Kirby Puckett to Tory Hunter to, I mean, Joe Maurer, what separates Joe Maurer was athleticism. Uh, You know, probably the most athletic catcher you can think of, really, maybe this side of Johnny Bench um just from an athleticism standpoint and then you know our current big league team again the athleticism a lot more of the international you know three of our in an average game three of our nine guys in the lineup were signed in the same international class miguel sano and jorge polanco from the dominican republic and max kepler from germany whose parents are both ballet dancers so i mean like you know, that's the common theme through all that is athleticism so what we've really gotten better at in the last four years, I think it's very fair to say that uh, Derek Falvey, our Chief Baseball Operator, Operations uh, Head, and then uh, Thad Levine, our General Manager. What uh, Derek and Thad have brought to the organization is a new approach to player development that is more uh, data-centric. And we are a little less old school in our development than we used to be. And I think we're a lot better at development as a result. I'm not trying to throw any shade At our past development, I just think it's clear that we have gotten better. We've really embraced the technology for better or for worse. Um, I think it's been for the better. And just the last couple of weeks were great examples for us. Uh, Two 2018 draft picks coming up the last couple of weeks in uh, Brent Rooker and Ryan Jeffers. Uh, Rooker just broke his right wrist. So he's out for the year. But Ryan Jeffers is a rookie catcher right now. He's our everyday catcher. And he's uh, tied all full circle. He's from Raleigh. He went to Sanderson High School right nearby here, uh, You know, carries a suburb of Raleigh, North Carolina, the state capital, and then went to UNC Wilmington. So catching is usually, you know, you guys out in uh, NorCal, you got uh, Joey Bart, the second overall pick in 2018, mm-hmm. Ryan Jeffers was a second round pick, and Ryan beat Joey Bart to the big leagues. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Joey Bart, because, you know, I, my experience of Joey Bart is pretty limited. I'm saying we're very happy with Ryan Jeffers, who was the second round pick, 57th overall, got to the majors as quickly as Joey Bart and like Joey Bart is a rookie catcher thrown into a pennant race right off the start. So um, I think we're very proud of one of the best thing that Derek and Thad did is they came into the organization from outside the organization. And instead of throwing everything in the trash and starting over, they built on what was already there and uh, respected the culture that was there and have built onto it. And I really respect that approach. And that's one of the reasons I was so eager to, to become part of the twins organization and, I'm so proud to be part of it now.
0: Well, John, you, you guys have been in playoff position last uh, last couple of years, uh, lost in the playoffs last year early, um, but in position again this year in this shortened COVID season uh, to, make, to, to go to the postseason. And last year's squad, John, was interesting. They broke the all-time major league record for a number of home runs in the season. Suddenly this power surge in the Minnesota Twins I don't know if, again, if that is a philosophy or if you guys just sort of kind of accidentally stumbled on a, on a group that, that, that sort of, you know, just did that last year, but it seemed to have continued a little bit this year. You guys are right in the mix. It can hit the long ball. Um, how do you feel about this year's squad and, as a pro scout, and how do you kind of analyze the American League right now? I know it's really a tough question because we've only played – 45 some odd games, but uh, you get as a twins personnel, and I'm sure the twins and their fans are excited about this team's chances.
2: Yeah. um, you know, we just come out of this is a big week. The 10 game stretch we're in right now. We just swept the uh, Indians this weekend, which was very uh, encouraging. Kind of got back to some Bomba squad with a lot of home runs this weekend. So I think we were pretty excited about that. But on top of that, you know, I do think you know, when you sign, when you give Miguel Sano, almost $4 million as an amateur in 2009, like we did. You do that for one reason, because the guy had ridiculous power. So I think it was a conscious choice by the Twins organization to pursue power. But this is a power game. Um, you know, all baseball is a power game. So, but, you know, it, so much of it depends on where you play, Nooch. I mean, if the Giants are going to try to chase power. It's not going to work necessarily work. in that ballpark. Right. to find different ways to win. So, you know, the Red Sox chased nothing but power in Fenway Park for 40, 50 years. And, of course, they were behind the curve on integration. And that's why they didn't win for so long. I mean, they had a – frankly, they had a racist owner in Tom Yawkey. And they were the last team to integrate. And they didn't win a pennant from 1946 to 1967. Those two things are related, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> we, per- we pursued power because the game became a power game. And we won more. I mean, that said, we won six division titles – with Ron hire as our manager and Tom Kelly, because, you know, we were a well-rounded kind of scrappy club, but right now, you know, I think the other difference maker was Nelson Cruz, the difference that he made in our lineup and then on our clubhouse. I think these all things have been uh, well-documented, but obviously the ball was also, I think, part of it last year. So we have power this year. You know, we added Josh Donaldson to that roster and when he's been healthy, he's certainly a, a tremendous power hitter. So, uh, but this year we've, we've pitched very well and, uh Kenta Maeda has been a, a great addition in the offseason yes. that we traded with the Dodgers. So I think we're going to, you know, it sounds like Jake Odorizzi is close to returning for us and he had a really great year last year. So we've pitched well without the guy who arguably, you know, statistically was our best starter last year. We got Miguel uh, Michael Pineda back from uh, his suspension that he had with, uh, you know, get too many PED suspensions that get reduced. So I think we're pretty excited about our pitching depth and uh, our the way we're playing and uh, right now just staying healthy and it's a, a screwy year, but I, and we have a 99% playoff odds. I think if you look at the uh, websites that prognosticate that, So I think we're in good shape to make the playoffs. Just kind of how healthy are we and how well we play yeah. will determine it. Craftshoot from
1: there, right? I mean, go ahead. Mike. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is going to be one of the hardest years to, you know, people are saying, Oh, shortened season. This season doesn't really, it, it's not the same as other years. And my belief is, If you get into the postseason and you win the World Series this year, you really, really earned it because of the fact there's an extra layer of playoffs. And if you're a good team like the Twins, you got to navigate a best-of-three series, which I think is just – I mean, that is a minefield. I don't think any good team fears a five-game or a seven-gamer. But you could have two bad games after a solid two-and-a-half months and your season is over. That makes it scary to me, and it also makes it uh, – if you win this thing and you win four series, you've really earned the ring. Yeah, it's a, it's a championship season.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Derek has said that a dozen times. I've seen this year where he just says, like, it's, this is a harder championship to win than others. Yeah. So, um, you know, you have a limited number of people. Just think about the access that front office people – I don't think their front office guys are allowed in the clubhouse. They're trying to limit the number of people that can be in the clubhouse so we still don't know guys they they talked about the the playoff format change the day before the season started or the day of the season starting with that Yankees Nationals game and I don't think we know that there's going to be a bubble yet that's not agreed to so we're agreed two, to, it's been presented yeah right but we're two weeks out and we you don't know where you're playing the World Series yet you have a you have a thought that you have no idea whether you're going to be in home fields or not. So uh, there's so much more. I I feel for the players, the discipline they have to show, I think, and the discipline they have shown is incredible. I think the players deserve a ton of credit. That first weekend, I think everyone in the media thought that this was going to fall apart when the Marlins had their outbreak and then followed by the Cardinals. And uh, I think kudos to the rest of the players. I mean, the Giants, you know, you guys being uh, NorCal Uh, The Giants just went through their little false positive with Alex Dickerson. Um, I'm impressed by the job that Major League Baseball's done. I think everyone kind of thought the sky was falling, and it wasn't. They handled the crisis and moved on, and I'm very impressed by the players and what MLB has done. So um, I I agree. Uh, I think it's going to be really uh, an impressive achievement for whatever team wins the World Series this year. Certainly will. Uh,
0: Right now – As we stand
2: this moment, um,
0: John, you guys are sitting in fourth place in the overall standings in the American league, which would, and I think what we're talking about here, Bakke, you know, when we're talking about that dicey two game uh, three game series from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, I believe that's going to be played in the home stadium of the top four seeds now. So those top four seeds are massive to me, Uh, even though there's no fans, I just feel like it'd be a little bit more comfortable for a team playing in their own stadium than the other team on the road uh, if you got to win two out of three. So the twins being at home right now in that four seed, John, holding on to that home game situation in my, in Minnesota playing right now, the five seed, uh, the, the blue Jays right now, that's the scenario, but of course, it's all going to change in the last 15 days here. So, uh, one thing that we want to get to, John, is you're, you're you know, we've talked about the American League situation and uh, with the Jays, Astros, Yankees, and Indians still hanging on to a playoff spot. The top three seeds are the White Sox, Rays, and A's. I think all those those top four teams have a really high percentage of getting in, like you said, 99%. On the National League side, Dodgers have had a tremendous year. Mike's a, uh, Mike and I are. go back a long ways, John. He's a huge Dodgers fan. We met in college. I'm a Giants fan from the San Francisco Bay area. We argue about this all the time. Uh, His team, I've, you know, we've said it from the beginning of our show. They're obviously going to cruise into the playoffs this year with a 33 and 14 record right now. Number one seed. My dream scenario, John, is for the Giants to somehow hang on to that eight seed. And then we go down to Dodger stadium and beat them in two out of three games. Now, to me, John, that would be my world series. So, right. Cause, cause the reality of, of the giants winning it all this year is very slim. So if we just got a first round knockout of the number one seed in their ballpark, that would be like the icing on the cake of the cake of three world series championships in the last 10 years. So it, what are the odds of that happening though, John, if you, if you, if you're looking at it from a pro scout perspective, I'm not saying it's real high, but if you give us the shot, I don't think the Dodgers want to see the Giants.
2: I don't I mean, the shot is that you're on the field and you're playing. I mean, yeah. every team would take their shot with that. And the Giants still have obviously some players who were parts of those championships. I mean, it's not like Brandon Crawford isn't a winner. I mean, Brandon Crawford, I used to really hold a grudge because UCLA was our number one preseason team when I was at Baseball America in 2008, and Crawford had a brutal junior season, as the whole <laughs> UCLA team did that year. So I used to hold a grudge against Brandon Crawford, but I guess three World Series and a gold medal in the World Baseball Classic later, I kind of realized that Brandon Crawford has uh, learned from his mistakes, and uh, yeah, he's had a great career. He's one of my favorite players to watch. I love watching him play shortstop. He's, he's such a smooth defender. Um, Obviously, the Giants, though, the the keys to those World Series, to me, for the Giants were Posey and Bumgarner, There are other players, but those are the two most important players in the history of the Giants franchise. And that's saying something when you've had Bonds and Mays in the franchise. Those are the two most important guys in the history of the franchise, in my opinion, So, because they're the two common threads between those two – those are three World Series teams. So if the Giants are going to make a playoff run, they're going to have to do it without those guys, obviously, and uh, that would be novel in their history – uh, I will say it's amazing to me, as someone who grew up a Red Sox fan, the Red Sox and, and Yankees have had so many playoff tussles in these expanded playoffs. And even before that, 1978 playoff game at Fenway Park. But the Dodgers and Giants, correct me if I'm wrong, they have never met in the playoffs, nope. right? No. I think, I, think, I think it'd be really interesting if we had Cubs, Cardinals, Dodgers, Giants in the playoffs. I think that'd be good for baseball. But I'll just say from afar, I don't have Dodgers coverage. That's a formidable club. It's a very uh, deep and versatile club, and uh, Clayton Kershaw looks very good. So yeah, um, that that's a that's a formidable club, and I respect the heck out of uh, that front office and their player development. As, you know, I don't know the the guys with the Giants as well, but I, I'm a real big uh, fan of uh, Mike Holmes, their scouting director, and uh, you know, I know some of the guys in the some of the old holdovers of the Giants well from back when I used to do their prospect rankings, but. You know, if they play in the playoffs, there's a reason that one team would be the one seed and one would be the eight because the Dodgers are the most complete team in the National League and their record, you know, Bill Parcells, right? You yeah. are what your record says you are.
1: And Friedman, I think, has done a, uh, an incredible job. He, he was tasked with, one, shedding payroll yet keeping them a little bit uh, – uh, keeping them competitive. And then they took on bad contracts – but they stayed for the most part under the luxury tax threshold. Then they went over it and it was interesting because they made all these trades for guys at the trading deadline and had a chance to re-sign them. And they, they balked at it. They said, we're not going to re-sign. They waited for the guy they really, really wanted in Mookie Betts and then gave him the big dollars. And, And all the while they were building that farm system with great draft after great draft. I mean, their drafts have been, I mean, it reminds me of what the, how I, how I think of the twins and the rays, how, you know, you got to put the work in from that scouting perspective. So if someone goes down, that's making $10 million, you can bring up a guy that's making half a million and he can uh, perform at that same rate, John. And I, I think that's the big key of why the giants fell off after their championships and why the Dodgers
2: have, have continued winning division titles uh, not the ton of success in October though. Yeah. I mean, the, the Dodgers, uh, you know, Billy Gasparino as their scouting director. And, uh, you know, the first time I ever talked to Billy was 1999. He was a shortstop at Oklahoma State. And, and they had a fight on the field against Northern Iowa where he punched the Northern Iowa coach, like, on the field, the shortstop. And the coach got into a fight. Wow. It's kind of crazy. Like, that was my introduction to Billy Gasparino. And I remember reporting on it afterwards. And his coach was Matt Holliday's dad, Tom Holliday. Uh, wow. And Tom was, Tom was like, Billy Gasparino is one of the greatest competitors I've ever coached. And that Oklahoma State team went on to the College World Series. And I got to meet Billy in Omaha. And uh, he went on to scout for the Blue Jays and the Padres and now the Dodgers. And he is he's just done an outstanding job. And uh, I think it's all over the Dodgers roster. So Andrew Friedman deserves kudos. The one thing I think you have to say is that he's actually learned i think from what he did in tampa because tampa actually for a while there was really bad at drafting they were good at it for a while especially when they picked first but you know david price 2007 evan longoria in 2006 third overall pick maybe yeah i think it was 2006 they had some great picks in there but from 2008 to like 2013 14 the rays just had a, a losing streak at the tops of draft outside of blake snell They had a lot of top picks that did not work out. They chose Tim Beckham over Buster Posey in 2008. How'd that work out for him? Not so hot. So um, Andrew has learned from that. And that's a thing to me in life. You're allowed to make mistakes. Baseball should teach you this. You're allowed to make mistakes. Don't keep making the same mistake. It's going to get exploited. And uh, I think to Andrew Friedman's credit, he did a very good job in Tampa. I think he's learned from some of the things that work there. And then he obviously he's taken them and he's got a lot more financial resources, but he's also learned from the things that didn't work. So I really respect the Dodgers as an organization. And I respect Andrew from that standpoint of learning from and not being static and players change, the game changes, the game changes more rapidly now than ever. And I think Andrew has learned from that and the Dodgers have. So I think they deserve credit in that regard. Again, I don't know their inner workings. Uh, I know some people work over there, but just, the old baseball America analyst in me, I really respect how the Dodgers have evolved with the game and uh, produced players. And uh, you know, if you're going to shower a player with a lot of money, it's good to be what to have one of those players be someone who has affects the game in so many different ways, like a player like Mookie Betts. Um, yeah. You know, so that that is a bold statement by a front office and ownership to invest that much in a player. That's not easy to do. So. Uh, kudos uh, to them for doing that.
0: John, we, let's, we we try to wrap up this show here quickly here. We don't try to go uh, over a long time, a period, but, um, as we wrap, you shouldn't have booked, up, the, you shouldn't have booked me as a guest then.
2: No, I wish we had two hours. You're,
1: yeah, you're
2: we, great. you're great. We, don't,
0: we try not to go real long on our podcast, but Hey, uh, John, as we wrap things up here, I want to just get your thoughts on one real quick thing that we've talked about in the past. Uh, you know, you and I, uh, go way back, uh, And coming up in in a couple of weeks, September 27th, and actually right now, 20 years ago today, you and I were in Sydney, Australia. I was working as the press officer for Team USA under Tommy Lasorda and the 2000 Olympic team. You covered the event for Baseball America and were there as a reporter. I have one question for you on this subject. Where does uh, Ben Sheets' performance in the gold medal game against Cuba You've been around the game a long time. You've seen so many baseball games in your feeling and in just in your life, where does Ben Sheets complete game three hitter over Cuba in the gold medal game in Sydney rank as individual pitching performances in games you've personally
2: seen. I just told my son who's 15. I just told him this the other day. uh, that, That is still number one for me. I mean, I've covered a couple of no hitters that were college, you know, college national team, no hitters, that kind of thing. I've been, you know, I went to the College World Series every year from 98 to 2017 with two exceptions. So, uh, you know, saw Mark Pryor there, saw a lot of great pitchers over the years in the College World Series. um, Saw some heroic performances there, but uh, the best individual clutch, quote unquote, clutch moments I've ever seen are Doug Mankiewicz, uh, two game winning homers against uh, Korea and two amazingly pitched games by Roy Oswald, who had a great major league career himself. Yeah. Uh, pitched both times against Korea and was money both times and, in, in great games. And then Ben Sheets in the gold medal game. So, I mean, that tournament, Nooch was formative in my career. I just got married that year. Um, Baseball America's website, really, that was its first full year. So covering live events for the internet was a big deal for us and, uh, able to do that uh, while staying at a youth hostel in uh, Coogee Beach in Sydney. <laughs> yeah. I had a little bit less nice uh, arrangements than most other journalism peers back then. I remember the Sports Illustrated guys talked about how they were staying on a cruise ship in Sydney Harbor. I was not. So, um, <laughs> But, you know, uh, my, my three favorite moments of that tournament uh, – you know, are the first game where Sheets pitched against Daisuke Matsuzaka. very first game was Daisuke against Ben Sheets. Neely walked it off in extra innings. So Mike Neal walked it off in extra innings, and Lasorda put his arm around Mike Neal afterwards and said, this guy pitched one hell of a game because he thought Mike Neal was Ben Sheets. (laughs) And that's that's classic Lasorda. And I was able to ignore him for most of those two weeks. Sorry, uh, Baca, but Tommy was not my guy. I went to Phil Regan and – Ray, Ray Tanner as my go-to source. Go for information. Of information. Lasorda was there to cheerlead. He wasn't there to know the players' names. So yeah. that was well, my favorite. That's number one. Players by the wrong names as well, John, throughout the, the event. Oh, but, no, yeah. no question. That's number one. Minkiewicz's walk-off in the semifinal against uh, Korea's number two. And Ben Sheets, uh, yeah. you know, complete game shutout. Just uh, total dominance and a real, again, a, a clutch performance. So the whole tournament was a lot of fun. And yep. if people want to read about it and relive it, they should read your book. That's right. And in and, and Miracle on Grass, John, you gave me
0: permission to use a lot of your content in that book. And I want to thank you, you know, publicly again for allowing me to borrow uh, a lot of the information you wrote about that event. So, you know, you're basically a co-writer of the book and you're in there with credits as well. But uh, Baca, I know, is a huge Dodger fan and Lasorda fan. And, um, you know, Mike, that <laughs> 20 years ago coming up is just... Uh, you know, it was a fun thing for me to remember, and I know you
1: uh, loved that, that moment, too, with, with your man, Lasorda, winning it all. I did, and uh, I, I remember getting, I was working, where I'm working now, I, I was in the newsroom, and you called me, and it was about 5 a.m., and you're screaming and yelling, uh, because and I had just seen it come over the wire, uh, USA captures gold, and you're screaming, I hear people screaming in the background, and you're calling, saying that uh, we won the gold, won the gold, it was great, I, I got to go on the air with it, and I think I interviewed you and you were, I, I, I think you had had a few libations by that time.
0: Yeah, we, what was amazing, Bach, is I don't, re- John, I don't remember, we had the, like those archaic cell phones, you know, like you think about it back then in 2000. Bag phones. They were, you know, these these devices that were given to us to work over there internationally. I couldn't even tell you what it was like. It's certainly not like the cell phones we're using now, but I was just amazed that it, it was actually, you know, calling people in the U.S. That it was actually working, because uh, you know at that time we 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 you just did you know cell phone usage was just not common as it is now, and and you know the internet coverage of it, John, like you said, you guys were kind of streaming play by play of text or something or whatever on your website whenever you could, and NBCSports.com had a like a some real slow archaic feed of streaming video and they would cut in and out of the games so at the end of the day the the, the coverage of that John is um was was not like it was today and it certainly uh is net was never seen in a way that the the the, the ice hockey game was for in on the, in Lake Placid in primetime tv coverage in America I mean when when we won that gold medal over in in Sydney John it was you know, four or five in the morning, East Coast time over here, and nobody was up watching that stuff live. They saw it later on in the evening, or maybe heard about it that day, and then watched it later. So, you know, that's part of the reason I wrote the book, and that uh, so that it kind of goes down in, in history and is always there. And uh, I know all the guys on the team uh, appreciate the, the fact that it's written in book form, and, uh, and, 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 it, and it, they can hand it down to their kids and their grandkids, and uh, you can as well. So, you know, you can say that you were part of that coverage. But, um, you know, as we wrap things up here, you, any any last thoughts on that overall, uh, 20 years ago, how, how that, like
2: you just said? I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, we, there's Olympic baseball next year. I'd love to see baseball remain yeah. part of the Olympics. So, you know, I'm involved. I'm involved in trying to, you know, I'm Greek American. I keep trying to find Greek players, Greek American players to play for Greece. So, Uh, I enjoy international baseball as a genre. Um, I hope that major league baseball uh, helps grow the game as it gets more involved internationally beyond just the world baseball classic to other events like the Olympics. But, you know, I think right now, major league baseball, if it had its druthers, it would rather have the WBC be the biggest uh, international event, not the Olympics because MLB controls the world baseball classic, doesn't have to share the spotlight or the money with the Olympics. So That's understandable. That's human uh, nature. But uh, the WBC is awesome. I love that event, but there's just something different about the Olympics. And so to be able to be there in 2000 for the quality of tournament that was, uh, was a privilege. And I've uh, cherished those memories for 20 years. And I enjoyed Miracle on Grass, enjoyed the shout out that's in the book. And I hope uh, if there's ever a play for it, let me know. I'll come on there and sing a few lines uh, Hamilton style for you. I'll be the the David Diggs of the show.
0: Well, we i don't know if you heard. Uh, we, we're hoping to—we've uh, got the uh, the rights to it uh, purchased by a Hollywood movie producer. So I know that's why that I mentioned. A, it. Uh, we're hoping that a, a movie gets turned turned out about it. We don't—I don't know who's going to play Lasorda yet, or you know, uh, Sandy Alderson, Me. our GM. But
2: <laughs> you've got we're Sandy's hoping- hair. You've got Sandy's hairline. I have I have Pat Gillick's memory. Maybe I can play Pat Gillick. I got Lasorda's. I got Lasorda's belly. Yeah, Baca. <laughs> nobody has that. Nobody yeah. has that. All
0: right. Well, hey, John, we really appreciate you coming on with us today. Uh, it's been great memories and your 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 feedback and uh, talking baseball with you. So, uh, really appreciate your time, your energy. Uh, as always, just uh, keep doing what you're doing, and good luck to the Twins this year. We're excited to see how they uh, how they do in the postseason.
2: All right. Thanks, fellas. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Take care. John, my guys. To yep. You. Hey, see ya. Yep, my pleasure.
0: Thanks, John. As we wrap things up here, uh, great show today. Uh, excited about the postseason, man. We're coming up in, in two weeks when we do another show. We'll know exactly who the Dodgers are going to be playing in that first round.
1: Could it be the Giants or somebody else? Time it, will tell, right? Uh, yeah, and, I, you know, I have a sneaky suspicion it's going to be the Giants. I just have this – I have a feeling. I just have this feeling it's going to be the Giants. Um, well, like John said, we've never met in the playoffs. Is that I, unbelievable or what? And I wanted to mention this. And we, I see up here, we got about five minutes. But I, let, let's – because this, is, this is, goes along the lines with our giant Dodger fandom. In 2014, we should have met. We, yes. we should have met. What was that – what happened in that? I, I can tell you exactly what happened. You guys were playing the Nationals. You win the first Oh, yes. Games. And you guys Bell, do it. Yeah. Bell hits the home run. The Dodgers are up six to one in game one, Kershaw's best year. And that's, that's where the Cardinals. Right, yes. The Cardinals picked, all, Cardinals picked all the signs because Kershaw wouldn't change. He was being stubborn, and the Cardinals had his pitches out of the stretch. The Dodgers had a six-1 lead in the seventh. Kershaw gives up an eight spot. and the Dodgers lose 9-8 in game one. They win game two. They lose game three, and then Kershaw comes back in game four, has yes. a 2-0 lead in the seventh, gives up a shemp and a ground ball with eyes, and has an 0-2 count on Matt Adams, and he's pitching out of the stretch again, and, he hang- and Adams is looking curveball because he gets, he gets the sign from second base, whether it was Carlos Beltran or not, we'll never know. And Adams hits a three-run bomb, Dodgers lose 3-2, lose that series in four. Granky was ready to go in game five at Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers, that was the best Kershaw season he's ever had. They should not have lost, lost that series. It was the stubbornness of refusing to That's change. right. The Kershaw
0: sign-stealing st- sign uh, enigma by the Cardinals from second base. He was yep. stubborn. The Giants beat the Nats in the first round. Yep. We, we go home. And because of that, the Cardinals – which I believe was a, 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 a not the higher seed. They beat you guys, and we got home field advantage in the um, – oh, no, no, we were on the road. We still were on the road in St. Louis and split yeah. there and um, I what believe you, went back and took uh, off, off, you all three all right. in St., at home against the Cardinals that go to the World Series cap yeah. by Ishikawa's walk-off bomb in game oh, well, five. Okay. And then we go on to beat the Royals – yeah, and it was a phenomenal year by the Dodgers. You're right. That I was thinking that whole time. Man, we're going to have to play the Dodgers in the in the uh, in the NLCS.
1: Yeah, and I thought seven gamer Dodgers home field. Kershaw owns the Giants. He's going to get two, maybe three starts. We're going to end this dynasty once and for all. And of course, the <laughs> Cardinals rear their ugly head. Because if you think about it. The, Dod- the Cardinals have been the bane of the Dodgers' existence, yes. whether it's 85 or 2012, 2014. I mean, I can't even remember when the Dodgers have gotten over on the Cardinals. I mean, they, they swept them, I think, in 08 in the first round of a playoff series or something. Yeah. That doesn't matter. But it, and the in both one.
0: those in 12 and 14, Baca, we ended up beating them in, the, in after they beat you. Exactly. Both times. And, you know, we've had the card. we beat the Cardinals in the, N- in the NLCS the last three times we played them. 02, we walked it off with Kenny Lofton on a base hit to right field. We beat him again in 12 in the, in the NLCS and again in 14 on the Ishikawa homer. But yeah. we we've ha- we've sort of had the Cardinals' number in that sense.
1: You've got the Cardinals' number. They have our number. They have your number. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey. I, I never, listen. You could say like, "Hey, Baku, you don't want to see the Giants in a first round series." I'll tell you this right now. You don't want to see the Cardinals. I don't want to see the Cardinals ever, ever. in October. I, yeah. I just, I just don't. I, I just, right. I've seen too much. They've, there's too much heartbreak with the Cardinals. I, yeah. I mean, I, Ozzie I Smith
0: it. off needing oh. fewer goes on
1: and on. Yeah, so- Clark. Jack white, Mark, like
0: the white rat It just never ends for you guys with them. I, I, I hear you. And, and uh, you know, maybe if we're lucky and the things work out, the giants are there at the end of the, at the end of the day, at the eight seed we'll know in a couple of weeks, I, I'm not real loving the way they've been playing the last four or five days. And then out of, out of the COVID thing, they they looked like absolute garbage yesterday against San Diego. So We'll see what happens if the Giants can hang on. And uh, great show today, Baca. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll catch you guys all soon once again on the Nuchin Baca show. Thanks for uh, joining us here today.